0: Let's crack open a beer and share some thoughts.
1: Okay, so what have we got in? Is it 80
2: chilling? No, it's, it's chilling. Chill.
1: Lunch, lunch, I not, 50 or 80 then. That's <laughs> really good.
2: It's r- I think it's... So is this one if of if those? If I home brewed this myself as a 90 chilling, I would have
1: been pretty happy with it. So does so it like a Scotch ale? Is it one of those kind of ones because wasn't that's the 50 a 80 I mean, 90 was their way of describing the strength, wasn't yeah. it?
2: And yeah. an 80 shillings, you know, like a best bitter it would only be just over four percent, or something like that. You know, top end, and to me, that tastes like a beautiful keg version of, a, of an 80, 80 or 90 shilling. It's, it's nice, it's, it's quite light, market, isn't it? Around yeah. the as it should be for a beer, you know, that's the whole idea, you know, instead of. Instead of having the hot character that makes you want to come back for another one, it's the dryness of Scottish beers, which mm. is what I love. You know, I brewed a lot of Scottish-style beers as a home brewer, and that's kind of like exactly what I was going for. You know, big, beautiful malt flavour up front, and dry finish that just makes you want to take another sip. Why, why, it the, need the beer why,
1: why do home brew the Scottish beers? There can't be that many people who start do that for home brews.
2: It's my kind of... Um, my dad, I started off as a home brewer in New Zealand and my dad had always kind of raved on about Scottish beers and what the brewing scene had been like in Edinburgh when he first came over uh, to New Zealand and how much he missed that. Oh, OK, and so... Went, and then the first time I went going to... back. Yeah, well, the first time I went to Edinburgh when I was 18 years old, I went and drank in, like, all the old pubs that he used to drink in and they had 80 shilling on the, you know, hand pub everywhere and they were fucking beautiful. just blew my mind about what beer could be. So I'd never really tasted proper multi beer before know. It would always been kind of like, you know, at the most, like an amber lager or something in New Zealand.
1: That's interesting. Uh, or a dark yeah. It's an interesting intro to, to beer then.
2: Very dark lager, yeah. So I got over there and I drank. I remember drinking in a place called, he called it the Gravediggers, it's called the Athletic Arms. It's just down the road from, like, the Hart Stadium Um my dad hated Hearts. He was a Hibbs fan, but he drank drunk there a lot with his brothers, who were both Hearts fans, and he would go off to watch Hibs play, and they would go down to see Hearts play. Uh, and they always drank the—I think it was probably McEwan's 80 shilling yeah. at that stage. Uh, you know, which to us, when you read the description of what an 80 shilling bear is, it sounds like cloying and sweet. Yeah, or, you know, like I said those really thick Scotch jails it's yeah. not that. Is it? No, it's not that. What we're tasting it's actually that. just a—it's like a beautifully malty dry gentle drinkable beer you know like that that has the dryness of it has the same drinkability of what the bitterness of a of a you know best bitter or a ordinary bitter has for
1: yeah but it's definitely got that sweetness hasn't it yeah yeah so sweet up front distinguishes really
2: it nice dry finish which just kind of like yeah. brings you back to have another one but it's, and it's quite nice on keg
0: as, as well because it's just got a bit of life to it yeah maybe i will do a
2: live one Maybe,
0: and, and completely ruin it, possibly. <laughs> um, so, as you may have guessed, the voice that you've been hearing hasn't been mine or Martin's. Um, <laughs> we
1: haven't affected a, a Kiwi accent no, all of a sudden. No, um,
0: that was Stu McKinley from Yeasty Boys who joins us for tonight's podcast. Um, and we're also joined in this collab within a crossover, within a guesting, <laughs> within a collab, within a crossover. Um, we're joined by Michael Lally from Bushcraft Beer. Welcome to Opinions. this is the first time we've had you on um, as, as a guest this way around, Obviously, as the Beer O'Clock Show, we guested on, on one of your podcasts in the past. It's, right. it's great to have you on. Uh, and we're here tonight uh, basically on the back of one of your three bullet Tuesday posts, um, which talks about beers and their availabilities and um, why you choose certain beers. So I think probably without further ado, let's, let's get straight into that and, and, and start discussing uh, the post that we're talking about.
3: Yeah, thanks. So I think I started this kind of three bullet Tuesday maybe towards the end of last year and the whole idea was just to kind of not overthink things and just get kind of my thoughts and views out there and really start a conversation on you know topics that I thought were interesting. So I think it was mid-December um, I put a post out and it was really talking about um, what I felt was um, influences around beer choices. And so there were certain things around um, the social media and marketing aspects of a brewery, its availability, um, you know, what I thought of the beers or what I thought of um, recommendations or insights from other people that i respected. Um, and what I did was um, map that out into a matrix um, that then put particular breweries in particular um, um, spots, really from my own perception. Um, and I don't know if anyone's read, read the post or, or not, but... Um, there was four parts to the matrix. And really it was looking at frequency of consumption and really looking at which beers I kind of drink regularly. And then kind of my perception of that brewery and whether it was positive or negative. So if you map that out, you end up with four different boxes. Um, so there was in the top left, the rare positive, And that was really breweries that I had a positive view of, but I'd, maybe I didn't drink. Um, as often for whatever reason, whether it was availability or whatever. Um, top right was frequent positive, and that's those ones that I drank a lot of and had a positive view on. Um, bottom left was one's uh, rare negative, I dubbed it, and that was where I rarely drank it or, and had a negative kind of perception. And then there was the frequent negative, which was breweries that I maybe frequently drink but didn't necessarily have the most positive view. Um, And I put, I think, 10 different breweries and mapped them out on that matrix. Um, And it led to, I guess, some debate, um, which is why we're here today, Um, which was, I guess, good. Um, And at the time, I think it was kind of the most response I've had to any post. Um, So it obviously struck a chord with people's views on how they make their kind of beer buying decisions.
1: I think there was quite a good Twitter discussion about it, wasn't there?
0: There, there was in, indeed, and it was it was as a result of that that um, ended up having two separate conversations with Stu and Michael about doing uh, a, a podcast, and then it just made sense just to do it as one and, yeah. and, and to bring everyone together and, and to discuss through it. So um, we made the most of that, and, and obviously we put a put a poll out at the weekend asking as you people what their views were
3: on
0: it Opinions. The question that we asked this week was, what influences your beer buying decisions? Now, some of this might fit into those four areas that you speak about. So we asked people whether it was hype recommendations, whether it was a brewery that they trust, or whether it was the price of the beer. Um, we had 373 votes, which was um, probably, I think it was our second, second highest second highest. Yeah. Um, poll that we've, we've ever run so people were getting engaged with this 51% of the votes so over half of the votes were in favour of it being a brewery that they trust that, that they know and trust um, and then the next one being recommendations at 35% hype being 9% and then the price of beer being 5% so those those are some of the views uh, or that's, that's certainly the votes that we had um, in terms of some of the comments. I'm just going to pick out a couple of them and, and then we can jump into looking at the four boxes and the, and, and talking about really what, what does it mean to us as consumers, as as somebody that sells beer in the industry, what, what does it actually mean to us? So um, hype was, was an interesting one, we had a couple of comments so... Um, from the OWL team, um, hyped beers are recommended on social media, so sometimes they go hand in hand. Uh, the more people post, the more that you want that beer. Um, and then Joe Tinder at Fatal Glass said, it's interesting to consider where recommendations stop and hype begins. And I thought that was a... That's that, a that, grey that, area. That was a great point. It's a really it? grey it's
1: area, though, isn't it? Where does hype great begin.
2: For, for us, who are all on the inside of the industry, yeah. Hype is, you know, one thing amongst our friends, but that's also a recommendation to people who are slightly further outside the industry, who just, you know, perhaps want to get into the inner industry, and they think there's big hype about a certain brewery. When for us, it's just us. Saying to each other, "Shit, this is really good. You know,
0: yeah. We really like this beer." Yeah. So what's what's your stance on the whole hype
2: thing? Well, I look at it from, I mean, for me, honestly, there's. Two two perspectives, and they're very clear cut for me. One is, you know, I want to sell my beer because I'm selling beer, and the other one is um, I want to drink beer because I, first and foremost, I'm just a guy who loves beer. Um, and to me, on the hype thing, obviously, hype captures my attention, and all of the hype I get is from the inner sanctum of the beer scene. So I know people within the industry, and they're telling me that this this is good or this this is you know not so good. Uh, and so I wouldn't even call it hype I would call like the closest I would get to hype is a recommendation because I'm too I'm too far into the VSC scene to really understand what hype really is Mm. Um, so the recommendations then I get down to like a a set group of people who I really trust Uh, and obviously my trust group is quite wide around the whole country whereas if you're just into beer, you live in southeast of London, or the northeast, or you know down in Kent. Your trusted group, uh, you know, the people who you live nearby, who bring beer into your bottle store. And well, we've talked about that uh, already offline before we started about you know where you get, where you trust, who you trust, you know, to bring new beers into your life, and, and how you trust them, yeah. why you trust them.
3: Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point. So, and a very real example for me is um, Cannonball, right? So, Steve, I know that you are a big fan of the beer, um, probably the nation's biggest advocate, <laughs> yeah. and and so that's an example of oh, Steve really likes that. I, I'll have to try it and see if what he um, as a person that influences you know my buying decisions, I guess, um, has to think about that because you know is it as good as. You know, he says it is. I, I want to try that for myself. Um, and I think you're right, within this kind of beer community, um, which, you know, which is getting bigger but still relatively small, um, I think there are a couple of powerful influences, both be it kind of people um, or movements, right? So I think what we've seen a lot on social media is, you know, we've got things like Craft Beer Hour, um, we've had things like Beer Bods for a while. Um, the hop god friday um, hashtag as well and so i do think that you do have these whether they're kind of credible as taste judges um but but they are attractive following um and they do like to talk about certain types of beers right so i think there is that as an absolute influence that cannot be um you know underestimated in terms of buying decisions I think I think that's a great shout on the the craft beer hour in in, in particular hmm. that
0: that that's massive now on, on on a Tuesday night the number of people that are regularly regularly engaging with craft beer hour and yeah sometimes there are feature beers but most of the time it's just people enjoying whatever is the latest beer and sharing that with the community and it's a, it's a great way to engage with the community and this, this community that we talk about mm. to, to see what's popular and what are the beers that we should be maybe searching out at, at the moment if, if that's the right thing to say
1: Yeah I think so and they do have um, like I said they've got a good following now there's really good following that Tom has got going there and when he does get the breweries in even when he does get breweries in I don't feel excluded from joining in I don't always manage to get hold of the beers because sometimes I'm not going to order three beers from one brewery unless I've got another set of beers in mind to order. But I can still get to learn a bit about them and then if other people are favourably talking about them, then, like you say, it might influence my decision further down the line mm. when I see them. So I yeah. think I think they've done fantastic with that, building up. But Is it hype or is it recommendations?
0: I, I, don't, I don't think I wouldn't class craft beer hour as hype. I, I think a lot of that is, is recommendations and like, like you said I think the fact that they bring in kind of host breweries um, occasionally and what they've started doing really well as, now, as well now is if, if a brewery's hosting they search out Tom searches out where in the country are stocking that brewery's beers so people can go and find the beers in preparation yeah, cause he does talk well, about them as well doesn't he yeah for the following week does that
1: so, mean we, we're a bit more immune to hype in our beer it's, circle it's,
2: it's, it's, can't tell when you're influenced by hype or recommendation because you mm. you sort of transcend it as you move into beer more and more. Yeah. So early on, you know, you go out into a pub in London and your friends who don't really know anything about beer compared to us, who know a reason about beer, are all talking about Gamma Ray or Brewdog, you know, punk, something like that. And for them, at that point, that's hype. But then as you get to know more and more people, and you get to know more and more people who know a lot more about beer than you do, you become influenced by them, even though most people would think it's hype, mm. based on the fact that you, uh, you know, thinking about two or three beers a week that they're talking about, rather than the 100 beers they're talking about. You know, we've all been through that. I think we're all, you know, like, as I the, the say, there's a the sort of in the sanctum of beer, that we're a part of now and we kind of have weeded out the people who we're not interested in listening to it because their beaters are different or their political views are different or something like that um, and you start to get to know you know, more and more over time who the people are that you kind of have a bit of a bond with within the sector
0: there are, there are circles within that as well though, aren't there? Because, and, and you can put some of these circles down to regionality as well because there will be a group of say, people from Manchester or from Leeds or from Sheffields that will be talking about a certain beer or a certain brewery. But yet you're sat somewhere else in the country and you're like, well, I, I don't get yes yeah. because they're, mm. they're, they're hyping
3: up yeah. a, a brewery whose who's beers I've I've even never tried and I'm never going to be able to try. Cause I'm and not- I think that was one of the things that I tried to get across in my post was, you know, there is brewers that I look posi- positively on because of that reason, but they're just not available in... In London, Like Magic Rock was one until they released their cans, you Mm -hmm. know. I rarely kind of saw them here. Marble is another that I kind of said, I would love to try their beer, but I just don't see them in that many places. Um, But I think some of those things we spoke about is really around drinkers and their engagement with each other. You know, the other angle here is the breweries and what they push out onto social media as well and how they do that and how they engage. And I think that was another angle that you know, I tried to kind of make clear in my post is I think there's some breweries that I really like the style in which they communicate, the the transparency, the openness that I see in some of their communication. Um and then there's other breweries quite openly slagging off, you know, distributors or suppliers or, you know, whatever, which um, you know, I think some people want to do. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) For sure. And I think some people admire that kind of openness and, and honesty and they can really relate. Um, but I think for others, it's kind of not what they want to engage with their the breweries online. So I don't know. I'm interested in your perspective on that. Um, yeah, well
2: it's, I guess it's you know, like to me, you you. I think we should name some names, and I think, like Bottom Left, which is your rear negative, you know, you don't drink much of, uh, and you think slightly negative of them in some way, but I'm guessing you put them on there because you like the beers, you had Chilton in there, yep. to, uh, who I think are one of the best breweries in the country, mm. and I absolutely love the fact that they just say it like it is, you know. Mm. they they have that antipathy and hopefully people can understand the difference between our voices in New Zealand and Australian here it might be confusing to a lot of people Um, but I love the fact that uh, you know they get out there and say you know if if someone hasn't paid their bills or if um, you know if they got you know I think the best one I ever saw from Chilton was that Tesco had approached them and they kind of just made a big joke about it, you know, mm. we can't make enough to sell our beer to Tesco, so you know, what, why would we even think about it? But you know, what do you guys think? Do you wish you could pick up our mm. beer in Tesco? And I think that's to me that's it's a great the, way of going to his absolutely customers, to yeah. The yeah. best yeah. way of engaging with yeah. social media. Even though every single customer who's ever drank children would say, No, fuck off, stay out of Tesco and he knows that. But I think it's just a nice way to just a bit of a conversation about that. Do, do you think, because the bigger you get, it, it becomes harder to, you know, to, to fit into one of those boxes and you move across different boxes yeah. from different people.
0: Yeah. Um,
2: oh, and yeah. for me, you know, it's a difficult thing for me as a, as a business person who knows how hard it is to make beer and make money from it and also to be a seller of beer who knows what people think of my product. You know, when they find it in a M&S and I think shit, I'm never gonna buy that again from my little local craft beer store because I can get it for like eighty p less at MS. Even though they don't know the fact that, you know, we're seeing one case to their local craft beer store so they can buy it from there. But they've travelled fifty miles to the MS which who are buying, you know, twenty pallets of us. Yeah. Um, but
3: there's loads of customers not on social media, right? I mean, that's the that's the thing. It's like, what... That's very scary. I wish they were all on social Yeah, media. like, yeah. you know, there is the power of that. No, I but never then, want my dad on social media, ever. You know, like, I think about someone like Camera. They've got something like 60,000 followers on Twitter, but 180,000 members. So, you know, there's a large part of their audience that isn't on third, social media. Yeah, so 30, is it a small yeah. echo chamber? Um, or, or is it you know a real advocate for a, a wider audience? And I think that's the whole thing, right? If I'm Cholton and I'm engaging with my self-selected Twitter audience, am I really going to get the right decision versus having maybe a wider or more considered debate and approach to that? So I don't know. I think there's pros and cons on the way to approach. I guess with some Cholton,
1: he wasn't after a recent decision; he'd made his mind up anyway. Mm. So, like you say. What, he was putting it out there to reaffirm with his uh, the people who liked his beers and liked his ethos that right? this was the right thing to do anyway. Yeah. It was reaffirming I don't that know approach. It's just having fun. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I was an mean, uh, lem- element of that. Whether any of that. Was
0: driven by the the whole Vocation thing as, as well because obviously Vocation put their beers into Tesco's and there was a noticeable drop in quality of, of, of their beers, I, I remember having Vocation beers when they weren't available in Tesco's and they were stunning uh, they, you know, blow your socks off stunning and then was so excited to get cans some Tesco's took them home and tried them and they were flat they were lifeless, sort of flavour had gone and, and I was just like I just felt really let down as, as a consumer. So I, I do wonder whether he, he did have that in the back of his mind of, if I put my stuff into Tesco's, am I going to be able to meet their demand Yeah, and, and retain the quality that I know my customers want?
3: Yeah, I think the supermarket thing is an interesting one. I think BrewDog, they kind of got an order from memory for a big supermarket order and they had to kind of beg, borrow and steal to be able when to started, yeah, when yeah. they started to be able to fulfil that, and you you just wonder how important was that in terms of the company they've grown and become or, or, or mentioned, not, they mentioned they right? quite a bit I, I as know, part of their
1: background yeah. story so my feeling has always been it was a big big part of what they did
0: it's also been the driver behind their recent homebrew dog challenge as well that you, you know they're putting those beers the winner of that competition mm. the beers are now on sale in Tesco's as well so they've, they've retained that yeah. link but it, I'm, <laughs> I'm guessing they've got a slightly oh, a stronger position when they're bargaining <laughs> yeah, yeah. with Tesco's now uh, than when they had when they first
1: started oh yeah but I think that they, they mentioned it in their, in their background story yeah. when they do any t- talks and presentations so I think it was a big part yeah. Of what they did, but they they can, it's, easy, it's also easy for them to say that now anyway because of mm-hmm. the stage they're at yeah. to mention that.
3: So, it's, can I actually come back to something that I think the poll was quite interesting? Was I think only 5% of the people that were surveyed said price was a yeah. factor. Yeah, that's because we're in a bubble. A that's the craft bubble.
1: If, yeah. my, if my dad was asked that, it'd be price. Right, straight away it's price yeah. Yeah. the yeah. rest of it means nothing yeah. to him
2: yeah there's still there's still a bit of loyalty with him like he'll have some brands that he's interested in uh, and yeah. you know like but, but that
1: brand is more expensive in one place to another he'll remember it was more expensive yeah. there than the place before so a good example is he lives in Milton Keynes Milton Keynes is a bit of the beer desert but they've recently had a draught house opened and uh, every now and again there is a couple of crossovers on the beers but he remembers the spoons price versus right. the draft yeah. price, price. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Very different. Yes. You're always going to remember <laughs> the smooth price on anything. <laughs> yeah, but, but <laughs> and from my dad, he's like, well, that makes no sense. So even with the brand loyalty, he's like, well, that makes no sense to him. Mm. Mm. Two pubs, I can walk between them, but yet one's charging me that and one's charging me that and one of them has giving me a voucher to get money off it as well. So yeah. price, So, so his price decision is, the, is driven by price. That would be a big starting point and I was I, I was going to bring it up as well if my claim because I think that a lot of that is driven by who we interact with whether that be blogging podcasting or just
3: in Twitter in general that price came last but what that does tell you though is you know within that kind of social media savvy craft beer buyer price really doesn't seem to be a huge factor rather
2: right? they think right but okay. I still think it is you know? at yeah, yeah. the end of the day uh, you know our beer will be you know, on the shelf for three pounds and Gemerae will be on shelf at two twenty, and they're always going to buy the Gamma Really, yeah, yeah. they're not going to buy our beer mm. um, because that's thirty percent more expensive, thirty forty percent more expensive. Are, are you
0: talking about new drinkers aren't going to go for I your? No, just think beer in general, just... you know,
2: like in general, like the big volume is going to be massively influenced by price. So, so the survey was amongst a bunch of beer geeks, people like us, yep. who are really interested in like drinking lots of different beer all the time. But those fine margins become really important when you start to grow and you become bigger and bigger and then you're selling to different sorts of customers. One of the things that we haven't touched on at all yet and no one really did uh, in your survey was about locality. And I think that's gonna become like a massive thing over the next 10 or 20 years. Uh, It's already big in America. I'm starting to see it massively in uh, London as well. if you live in the South East, you might drink some Gypsy Hill, uh, you might drink some Brick Brewery or something like that. If you live in the northeast, you've never even really heard of those breweries. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, they don't exist. Because people are like, building breweries who are... Know, building clientele yeah. to they live. and they might yeah. be selling out their brewery yeah. Uh, yeah they might be selling just to their local pubs and everything but people can see the brewery down the road or you know they've got an idea they see the person delivering the beer all the time yeah so we're talk talking about yeah. craft, not craft breweries so much but
0: micro breweries here just, that are setting up in their in their locale it's more like there.
1: it's that that village thing so even though we're talking about london it's people taking over like their principality isn't it yeah. and, and that becomes uh, Duncan Sandberg said the same thing last yeah, year when I spoke yeah, to him yeah. about it becoming more of a people being lo- associated with the location they were in and very much targeting that area and being say we want to build and that's why they're all opening ta- tap houses as well now mm. so people come to the venue mm. you get that loyalty that we used to have necessarily for our local we have yeah, a local so pub.
3: We have the loyalty for
1: now. Maybe it might be the brewery and the brewery tap house. That kind of thing.
3: Yeah, I guess they, they all have different business models, right? So I think I think Brick right, in Peckham is like a local tap room and local brewery that sells a lot on site and then distributes locally for some of their other beers i mean i think that times a thousand is fuller's right so they are based in west london they own loads of pubs in west london and if you listen to john Killing, and i heard a great podcast with him not that long ago that's what he he almost talk, compares full, uh, fuller's to like a football team like they're like everyone's local brewery. Um, that mean, was the you guys uh, all, that? the all about all about, beer. All about yeah, beer podcast. Brilliant, brilliant. Experience. Where uh, Eastie yeah. boys
1: did get a, a name check more they than did. once.
3: yeah, because you guys I think did a collaboration. We with did, Fuller. You did the yeah. summer one last yeah. year, didn't you? Yeah, so I mean that was one of the things that
2: made me comment on your original um, blog post, which which was you know you've got Fullers in the frequent negative, which you know you have to trick them because they're, they're all in the, all the pubs around you. <laughs> Stuart's yeah, so going. Students going first. <laughs> <laughs> it's slightly disappointing for you. Mm. Whereas for me, I see them as like a. I mean, to me, they are um, probably in the uh, the rear positive. So I have the like the, the emotional connection to them and the fact that one of the influences in me becoming a home brewer back in New Zealand was that I got to drink first beer in New Zealand and I was drinking, you know, ESB eighteen forty five some of the vintage jails and stuff like that, and I fell in love with beer, partly because of the fact that I drank really, really good beer from them. No, none of the session time. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, I couldn't, I couldn't yeah. travel that far, yeah. So, you know, but I had, I had a positive connection with them already, and then we found I found a Yesley Boys with a friend of mine who had lived in London for a few years, and he drank London Pride all the time. I was you know. Here. Every time he went out after work, he would drink pints and pints of London Pride. And then I came back over here... Um, and in, in, in between times, I'd actually met John Keeling at a beer festival, um, uh, well at a, a beer week down in Sydney. Got on really well with him, and so immediately I had the positive feeling about Fullers mm. because I liked the beers and I liked the guy behind it. So yeah. the sort of, yeah. you know the lovely beer character, mm. positive feelings, plus you know the fact that someone nice. Works for them, not some brothers <laughs> and I never get to drink them. Even though, now that I'm living in the UK, I hardly even walk into a Fuller's pub. Or if I walk into a pub, it's probably quite rare for me down in Kent to see that. Yeah. Mm. It's quite rare for me to see Fuller's beers. So they're to me more in the you know, mm. frequent, um, or sort of rare positive rather than the frequent yeah. negative. So the mm. exact opposite dichotomy yeah. from where yeah. you're yeah. at.
1: Mm. See, for me, they've been the frequent positive. I'm quite lucky where I am, but I've got easy access to Fuller's pubs in the city. Yes. And I look forward to going into them as well. I've got no... I, I like their cast beers, and I, I also love the beers you just name check. You know, the vintage ESB, their vintage ales. I, I, I'm a big fan of their pubs and their beers and stuff. I mean, what, what, what made you put them in the rare...
2: Yeah, so it's so a very I negative, isn't it? Yeah, there I in. think
3: it's interesting. So I'm not a huge cask beer drinker. I think I put that in one of my other posts not that long ago. Um, and I think maybe you didn't have the same nuanced appreciation of cask beer that you had, Stu. I think coming from down under, you you are used to your cold, fizzy kind of beers. They're, they're the, the de rigueur, the mainstream. And so coming over here, it's kind of you know the warm beer in England kind of thing. But um, so, sorry, oh, flat. well, well, flat. <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> no, not bed. even, not even that. Why?
1: Why is it warm? You mean warm? It's not warmer, on, It's not warmer, Fucking freezing. Warmer. It's the um, difference. It's, it's yeah, yeah. I don't think we need to go
3: there. I mean, I do. He's going to say it's the word so warm. So two. Two. I think. Yeah, yeah, I think then, the other there's thing there's about flu is. Yeah.
2: And if they are, uh, they, they're the only ones who can understand yeah. the difference between Australia, New Zealand and Alexis. So
3: the other thing about Fullers for me is that, I mean, look, I think they've got a great legacy, great history. Um, you know, they do preserve that, you know, the British pubs and all of that. I'm always slightly underwhelmed with their selection of beers. I think um, you go into the pubs and they'll have all their casks and a lot of their keg lines, which they clearly created as craft brands. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would have loved to have seen them um, use those lines to either promote kind of other craft breweries um, or do collaborations with other breweries or, I don't know. Like, So for me, I kind of felt they could potentially do more to promote lots of other great things about beer and the pub and all of that. Um, and, and that would be my kind of one kind of. But that would be like a
1: football club and their shops sell it, Liverpool shops selling Man United tops. Mm. Why would you do that? Yeah, yeah. that been, makes no sense so to me at all
3: no no but they do they sell you, Sierra Nevada they? they sell Perhaps you know Peroni they, they sell yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean so they, they do sell too, I mean, a whole
1: bunch of other things if I go into a Fuller's pub I get mm. pissed off with the Fuller's pubs near me at work cause they only have two or three of their cast lines on Yeah, yeah. and one of them is Oliver's Island which I think is quite a bland golden beer they always have pride on quite rightly yes, anyway yeah. and then they'll maybe have a Gales mm. and I'm thinking well where's your other beers where is your Bengal Lanza um, why did it, why the hell have you stopped doing Chiswick Bitter on cask on a regular basis and things mm. like that? Mm. So I actually go the opposite way. I'm peed off and they haven't got more of the Fuller's range on there because that's yeah. what I want when I go to Fuller's But part. it's
3: the cask range, right? I mean, that's what they're kind of known for. And um, from your point of view, you're, yeah, not,
0: you're not going in dominantly for cask? No, cars, no. And
3: I was, so, so they just opened yeah. a, or refurbed a, a pub in um, Canary Wharf near where I work. And Is that a tea merchant? It's brilliant. Yeah, they've got some great it's cask It's a bit too lines. food-led, though. The food's good too. Yeah. But, but the keg lines was all, like, they have uh, a, a, a keg IPA, a keg pale ale, a keg red. And I think, I just think that would have been a great opportunity to showcase, you know, a great opportunity to showcase um, some other... Breweries, I don't know. If yeah, but it's not going to happen in the tea margin, is it? Because yeah.
1: Canary yeah. Wharf is very food-led. They've, food got, led to they've got
2: really good access to uh, Yeasty Boys and Thorne if, if you need to, just like ask, yeah. you know, can you get some Yeasty Boys? They,
0: they do sell quite a, a range of guest stuff in bottles and cans, though. In the in, city, in, they do. In, in, they do yeah. yeah, I mean, I've been mm. into the parcel yard, and I've yeah, I've, I've seen great. But quite a range of beers To be
1: fair to Mike, you see the tap range first, don't you?
0: You, you do, but and even so, normally, I mean, I've been in the castle yard and never have had like East London Brewery cast beer on in there.
1: But again, going back to your point about Michael, Michael's looking at the yeah, yeah. keg line first. I, I suppose of all. so, yeah.
0: I mean, yeah. I, I've got to admit, I'm always a little underwhelmed by a Fuller's keg yeah,
1: line. Yeah, but I never look
0: at the keg line first. No, I, well,
1: I don't have one line. about Fuller's, I'm but I think. I came, from New
2: Zealand, like, when I came here to drink warm flat beer.
3: Yeah, I think the other thing is, and I know that CIBA's trying to define craft beer, and they're saying it's about being less than 2,000 hectolitres and um, a couple of other things. And, you know, Fuller's would not be a, a craft brewery by their definition. Um, you know, they're a listed company. They've got outside investment, you know, only 30, 40% of their revenue is from beer um so they're you know they're kind of a pubco slash brewery not not taking anything away from their brewing heritage which is very very strong um but i don't know i just think there's there's um you know there's other factors around kind of my decision to put them where i kind of put them so not yeah. just not just a beer then
2: so I'll, i'm gonna take this to but
3: they're not just a brewery i guess that's kind of my point well they are a brewery. yeah
0: in in the uk you've got we don't have a definition of craft Brewery no we
3: do. SIBA has No we don't, no we we don't. find no, it. No, they no, have. not like they they, have. not
0: like there is in the States where there's an actual definition and you've got to meet that definition to be a craft beer, brewery. But, but you but don't think SIBA have done that? No. Not yet. But what we've got in the UK mm. is, is an is another level that possibly doesn't exist in the states or anywhere else in the world is that we've got the big regional breweries yes so, so you've, own got, pub you've got networks fullers, as well. you've got your fullers you've got your Adnams, you've got yeah. your green kings your mm. lees you've got all of your regional breweries up yeah, and down yeah. the country and you can't the only category you can put those into is big regional breweries mm. because mm. like you say they own their own pubs they can supply their own pubs they can yeah, yeah. supply their own beers into those pubs um, I don't, I don't think the likes of those breweries would be searching for. Yeah, but a, a I think this is where label. I think
3: this is where it's hard to define it in this country, right? Because um, you know the US has their three tier distribution. Um, in Australia, strangely, um, it's purely based on size, and big, um, big breweries with brands that are below a certain um, capacity can be classified as craft. Um, and I think here there's some you know some historical quirks. There's some you know regional brewers. There's ones where they make more money from not the brewing side of the business. They have um, big pub estates. You know how do you take the, all the Sorry, of those I need to go back to this. What's the account? problem with that?
1: Because without that money, they can't do all the brewing. Mm. I mean. You know, we've already had all the stuff this year about how much how little money can be made on cask. No. So surely you need to make your revenue elsewhere. So then making their revenue elsewhere and still brewing cask has to, should be a good thing. Mm.
0: Well, but I guess Mike, it's Martin around... doesn't go looking for cask. No, but I still no, need no, to come no, back no. to the point. But I, I think sorry, that's yeah,
3: kind of part the of the point. debate, isn't it, though? It's like, what is a craft brewery? And if I said to you... But
1: we weren't talking... The craft doesn't come into the the... Mm that necessarily if your followers aren't even pretending and uh, to, to be craft as our example from your
3: no your, no absolutely they're not they're
1: not they what they have done though is and mm. you know 10 years ago they were they didn't have really any of their own keg lines mm. so there was no frontier Lager, there was no montana no, no, red there's no keg yeah, ipa yeah. Mm. so already they have moved to doing what they consider to be the type of Cake beers that might interest newcomers, mm. but they're not trying to alienate the people who love Fullers. Yeah. The mainstays are Fullers pubs. Mm. The reason why people go into Fullers pubs in the first place. I go to Fullers pubs for their cask, yes. but I like their keg IPA. Mm. But if I see, Lancer on cask, I'll ignore the cake straight away. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. Lancer on cask is fantastic in my, yeah. in my in my in my mind. So I would ignore the keg anyway, mm. craft or otherwise. But I think that if you're earning. Money from all your other bits, but you're still producing great beer. I personally have no problem with that because I want you to fund your beer. Mm. If someone says Fuller's, I still think of beer and pubs.
3: But isn't that the same argument of like the big macros are? You know, reducing the price of things so to their advantage because they've got scale. Like, isn't that that same argument that we'll reduce the price of things so we can sell it in our own pubs and we've got a captive market? You know, do you know what I mean? Like, I think there's that. How can how can you say like, oh, big um, companies are bad because they drive down price, but then use that same argument that says isn't a great Fuller's can keep their beer cheap because they've got their own? um, I wouldn't um, say. I wouldn't personally. I wouldn't uh, say Fuller's beer is cheap. Oh, mm. I,
0: I wouldn't. I've paid like a fiver a pint for London Pride in, in one of our own bars before. So I don't, I don't think
2: they would be as cheap. Mm. Um, we probably don't need to get into the debate. <laughs> are Fuller's good or are they not? <laughs> yeah, I yeah. We've can. we given it plenty can, of airtime. Yeah, we can agree to a majority that three out of four of us say Fuller's really good. Nice. <laughs> and one of them lives in like area where you can only buy Fuller's. Well, so you're a little bit stuck on it. But I think it comes back to—I um, I mean, it definitely comes back to you know the quadrant or the matrix mm. um, that if a beer is absolutely everywhere, for people like us, it doesn't you know seem quite as good because you can find it absolutely everywhere. And you—I mean—I'll be interested to see how you think about magic rock now. You know, six months down the track, mm. now that you can see it in every single public can to you look over the fridge and you see their cans in there.
3: Mm
2: not that you probably buy cans from pubs very often
0: I, I'd still rather see it on keg than, than in a can in, in a fridge in a bar
1: yeah I mean but I mean down here we don't do it
0: no
1: where not, we not very rarely drunk, see yeah. magic rock or another one of the ones you quoted cloud water we don't see them on, on hand pull cake, tap, yeah, whatever yeah. it might be. So, you know, it is only ke- you know bottles of cans and I rarely buy those in pubs anyway.
2: And why, why should not we? When the beers locally are so good? Yeah. No? yeah. I mean, there's a lot of shitty beers locally but there is a lot of fucking great beer yeah. that is just around the corner from us. Uh, and, you know, for me, I'm down in Kent and it's much harder to find anything local but as soon as I get into London, you know, every time I look at a tap, it'll be a national brewery or someone who's probably about three four miles away. Mm. Uh, and I know it's going to be good. And that was one of the things that came up in the, uh, you know, the response from the Twitter crowd, which was, yeah, yeah. You know, essentially... I trust
1: them. Yeah, that I means that the the brewery I trust thing, which took yeah, over right. half half yeah. of it, yeah, it, it does play a big part. It yeah. does yeah. play a big part.
2: So, yeah. so follows to me are a brewery I trust, yeah. and uh, you know, lots of local breweries like the Colonel yeah. Breweries I trust. That's mm-hmm. the yeah. next yeah. one I was going to say. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, 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 I went into the other end uh, of the spectrum, but you know, eight years ago, there would have been a lot of people who, who had been in my situation who had moved to London who knew a lot about beer and I would have said and I would not a brewery they would trust mm.
0: Mm. but now they are you know they've, yeah. they've got to that point. and I think we've got the, the, the kind of next generation of those breweries coming through because I went I went into the, the Owl House in Chelmsford at the weekend and there was um, an elusive brew beer on um, the, the Overdrive Without a second thought, I ordered a pint of it, because I know that that's a brand that I can trust. I know that Andy's beers are going to be solid, and they're going to taste good, and it's going to be exactly what I want. And it was a cracking pint. I absolutely enjoyed it. And, and had had he not turned up to, to take me off to somewhere else, I would have been having a second and a third pint of it. But, you, you know, it's, it's so It's a shame you could have had a second
1: one, because it's actually... I could have had a second yeah.
0: one, yeah. And
2: <laughs> why, could, why can you trust that, though? I mean, can you trust it because he's part of the beer community? I mean, and he's like a... a yeah, really yeah, part see, of that's community. that's a tough one. Or you trust it because someone's told you it's good?
0: I, I trust it for two reasons. One, because he's come from the beer community um, and because I've known him for a long time and I've known his journey as a home brewer and going into a commercial brewery. The other thing is that every beer that I've had from him, him has been cracking. I've, I've not had a bad beer from him yes. and, and that for me is the is the thing that defines trust it's yeah. that when you get beer after beer from the same brewery that's as good as the last beer
2: to and, me the important thing is like the next step from there is the people who unlike us who don't know anything about beer who aren't listening to this podcast but hopefully one day they'll come across it but if they can trust the pub it, yeah, which I'm guessing that is probably well,
1: a pretty good pub if it's the, getting elusive the, yeah the, the pub which well it's where we hold the Essex bottle share once a month yeah. the house. so they always have 12 12 casks on rotating anyway yeah. There's always 12 on the go at any one time, and we, we trust them to deliver. So it may not be a beer I like, but it'll be delivered the
0: right way. But they've also got really... Because they've got a good settlement as well. Yes. That knows how to look after those beers and make sure they're delivered on absolute tip-top form. Yeah. yeah. So for me, it's
1: more about choosing a beer I, I think or know I like rather than me having to worry about
3: the condition that yeah. will come out. So that bit's already gone So in I the think, outhouse. I think that's an interesting point, is that even if you see the recommendation online or whatever um you've still got to buy it from somewhere and whether that's a supermarket or a bottle shop or your local pub that you trust or an online store you've still got to buy it right and it's still got to be available and um i, I think there's this weird shift at the moment where you know we've, we've had some incredible specialist craft beer bottle shops mm-hmm. spring up in the last couple of years um and i think that they serve an a really big um, kind of agenda in terms of informing the customer and making recommendations and all of those things. Um, Then you've got the supermarkets getting really big into it. I mean, M&S have kind of led the way and Tesco is kind of following. Um, And then you've got some good pubs that, you know, really um, showcase some really good beers. Um, And and I think that, you know, on the back of this, I did reach out to, you know, our friends at Hot Burns and Black to ask them around kind of, how does buying decisions work in a, in a craft beer bottle shop and you know I think what they were saying is that um, they've kind of built a beer list that they think their customers will like um, and the power of their recommendation is really important um, and they say no to some people as well which I thought was really interesting. Um, but they also said there's some, um, some big uh, trophy beers, I think they call them, that really get the punters in. You know, your Cloudwater uh, double IPAs and all of that. Yeah, yeah.
2: Boys that. <laughs> yeah I'm pretty know? sure they <laughs> did. Yeah. Um,
3: but that comes from a combination of a brewery messaging it well and the social media gets people into the store. And there's that kind of journey, isn't there, that ultimately yeah. gets people to actually buy the beer.
2: There's almost a story there in the what- you know, for us, probably not for the rest of the world but for us that these kind of bottle stores are becoming the new pub mm. because we yeah. can drink in there Yeah. We can go and we can drink like a few bottles rather than a few casks so they don't have to take the risk on the cask uh, and know that it's going to sell to a lot of people they can buy a dozen bottles and they know that people like us are going to come and drink them and they're going to take a couple away so the whole drinking kind of behaviour of people in Britain is changing, especially in London, I think, uh, and to me it's kind of funny because in New Zealand we always drank at home, you know, most of what we drank was at home or at someone else's house at a barbecue, you know, or down at the beach or something like that, but it's not based around drinking at pub. We would go to the pub after work for a few beers and then we'd go home, you know, in the summer when it's still light till 9 or 10 o'clock at night and we'd drink at home, across the road and you know, move out feet in the sand and drink a bottle of beer there or something mm. whereas the UK I think has like been very based around this pub culture and drinking at the pub all the time and that's changing, people are starting to drink in restaurants and cafes and yeah. drinking at home a little bit more so the whole kind of thing about the, the death of the pub has actually nothing to do with the death of people drinking it's just the changing it's landscape places. Of, yeah, the changing yeah, yeah. landscape of where we drink mm-hmm and then that becomes like you know, where you can become more influenced by. You're now drinking, instead of the pub, you're drinking up the brewery, you know, which is awesome for us as yeah. Or you're drinking at the cafe, which is just Yeah, so milk.
3: interestingly, I think the first place I drank a brew dog and a kernel was in a cafe. Um, yeah, where, yeah, yeah. So I think that was a really interesting market for some of these um, craft brewers when they started off. So, yeah, I kind of agree that, people aren't drinking, well maybe they are drinking less but the places in which they drink is changing for sure.
2: Yeah, some of the reasons for you know, people leaving pubs to drink elsewhere is probably because pubs are not giving them the options that they would like to have.
0: So that's, that's coming down to choice isn't it? Which is yeah. some something I've been banging on about for a few weeks now since I did my um, walking pub tour of my local town where I was faced with very little choice in terms of, of beers but if if I'm gonna go into if I'm gonna become a regular or, or a local somewhere then I want that venue to be serving me with I don't know, maybe one or two beers that I know are good, so like a core range. But then I want them to be serving a a, a range of new beers and experimental stuff that I can try, Yeah. and I can even try new styles or new breweries, and just giving me more access to
3: to new things. But I think that's an interesting point because I think what we're what we will see or are seeing is, you know, drinkers that have that kind of absolute preference to go back to beers and breweries they know and experiment at the same time. So I guess it's the fight for how do you become on that loyal side of the beers that I constantly go back to, whether it's Cannonball, um, whether for me it's like a Gamma Ray, and then be on that list of beers I want to try. Um, you know what I mean? You're kind of competing for two different spaces there. Totally, yeah. yeah.
2: I mean, my favourite pub uh, near where I live it's about a 30 minute walk and it's without a doubt one of my favourite pubs in the whole country that I've been to since I've been in for 18 months or so it's a Harvey's pub and there's a couple of other beers in the fridge that are not Harvey's but it'll be like Stella Artois and <laughs> Heineken or something but they have Harvey's Old Ale, which I absolutely love, and it's always in my top-notch condition. And they have some other good Harvey's beers, which I'm not so keen on, but they're always in top-notch condition. And the food is fucking amazing.
3: So they have Stella uh, in the fridge? I don't know if it's Stella. The... They've got, they've got yeah,
2: some yeah. stuff that I've problem
3: because I always think Stella in bottles is like the guy wearing a shirt with a tuxedo printed on it. It's kind of like got this like fancy foil around like the bottle opener and stuff, and it's like, oh, that's a fancy beer, um, but really it's not. So much. to be fair, the macro
1: brands did their presentation pretty early on mm. with yeah, bottles mean, and glasses. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for yeah. me,
2: long term. No, I would like to think that in two years' time from visiting that pub every week because I love it. It's a great pub. The food is unbelievably good. Uh, it's a nice walk from my house and the beer, you know, to me, Harvey's Old Ale is one of the best beers in the world. And it's a really good pub, and good condition. Lots of craft beer drinkers, people listening to this will probably not ever even look at it. But if we could all sit down, if I could take you all out to that pub and drink it all you. Drinking. Yeah, I mean, I had, some, I had
1: some old ale at the Kelt Trader a couple of months ago, and I did enjoy it. Yeah. I like old ale anyway. I love the yeah. Adnams old ale. In
2: well, a pub like that, man, you know, they know how it should taste because they serve it every single day, right? and it's one of their biggest selling beers. It, it works really, really well. But to drink, you know, to just be in a pub that's so welcoming, you know, the beer's going to be good, you know, the food's going to be good. You know, the other two most important things to me. I don't care so much when I'm in that pub. About how the Harveys people treat their staff, or whether or not they, you know, kind of like let their horses run around, you know, with their hooves off, for, you know, or their, um, their shoes off for a day or something. You know, I'm not quite sure how.
1: So you became the you become the majority of the buying public yeah, at that point.
2: Yeah, because I just walk into a pub and there's really really good beer and really good food and the welcome is really good and the people look after me. Because we're no, I kind of forget. We're in a minority. Yeah, and I'm not trying to sell my beer to them. I think that if I'm still there in two or three years' time, I'll probably try and get them to have my cans in the fridge or something. Just put my cans in the fridge, you know.
0: Tell them it's a local beer.
2: I live 30 minutes away. The beer's made a 1,000 miles away. At (laughs) least it's it's (laughs) not made 12,000 miles away. But that's you know that's part of kind of what local is as well. It's not so much about where the beer is made. You I know, mean, if you're in the shadow of the brewery, it's a, a little bit about you know who the people are who work for the business, and you know we see that all the time with you know all the big breweries who have their local salespeople who work in certain areas, and they um, you know, they're in the pubs all the time who sell their beers. They might be just the guy who just services all the lines, mm. but because he's always in there, they're always going to sell his beer mm. because it's, you know, the brewery he works for. So it's that kind of local... Where local isn't so much mm. about the geographic region, it's about the people who are employed with the brewery who live near to,
3: or the people who are big advocates of the brewery. Live near. Yeah. What about, what about you, Steve? I mean, I think what, what are some of the things that you personally... Um, you know how it tend to influence you
0: i'm i'm not sure actually i mean my view has certainly changed in the last few weeks where i've 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 made a a, a commitment to not start getting so et up about the latest release. Yes. The yeah. whole no mo FOMO um, <laughs> hashtag. hashtag uh, Muslim, y- yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um you know I've I, I've I've moved away from that and I just um, I just want to enjoy good beer mm-hmm. why, why at the same time trying to enjoy a range of beers as well. Yeah, so yeah. if if I go into somewhere that I, I, I trust um I will probably try something new so by I, I trust that place yeah. I trust the way they look mm. after beer and the, the, the way they serve the beer um, and I um, will then just go for just beers that I'm looking to enjoy and yeah. mm. looking to, to, to drink but yeah, yeah
3: but I think I will have you know, like a hit list of beers that I least, or breweries that I least wouldn't try. You wouldn't um, try? Would. Oh. Would. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I think, you know, there's always, you know, there's always flavour of the month of, oh, they seem to be like what everyone's talking about at the moment. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I, I mean, must so try that ex- don't one. Think you can escape that. You're yeah, always going to yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But um, it's also part of the advertising, isn't it? I mean, yes. you've got to get the, the ball rolling at some point as well. Yeah. Um, so w- when people are talking about the different beers, I mean, again, it depends where that talk's coming from mm. and who's pushing what, why they're pushing it. I mean, a lot of the time, to be fair, again, that's probably where I decide, but I thing is a hype when I don't like the beer at the end of it, but a lot of the time... I do go with recommendations that other people have spoken about, but usually from people I trust as well. Whether that be people who blog, just people I know personally, or again, breweries what I trust. And especially if a brewery then mentions another beer from another brewery, you're thinking, oh, okay, then there's got to be something going on here. Then I I do go with that a lot. Um, And sometimes it just happens to be I'm going past somewhere. I see tank in the window, or I pop in.
0: I, I think for me, the one the one brewery that kind of epitomises that over the last six months or so was um, Odyssey Bruco, that I had had none of their beers, but there were a lot of people talking about them on Twitter, so they were, they were obviously gaining a lot of traction from a certain bubble with, within the community. So all of a sudden I was like, I must try their beers because there's a lot of people talking about them. So I, I tried the beers and I enjoyed the beers, and it's and, and then I become part of that bubble that's then yeah, talking you about then this brewery. About it as well. Yeah, and and then and then it starts to build, and it's kind of you always, I suppose, from, from where we are in terms of talking about beer on a on, on a podcast, is that we're always kind of looking for well, who are that next brewery that, mm. that, that that people are talking about that,
2: that
3: might be that next yeah. one. But that might even be an interesting separate topic, like who are the biggest influencers of beer taste, right? Because I'm sure there'll be a handful of very active people that have quite a, a sway over that, right? Um at least on that social media. Yeah, yeah. World. And, then, and then
2: there's the next kind of level of being really interesting to hear people
3: who kind
2: of know virtually nothing about beer. You know, if we could pull in just the average drinker in this pub who just come here because they live down the road or their work is down the road or something, it'd be interesting to pull them in and say, you know, why do you drink what you drink? And they'll yeah. go well, I'm in a brew dog pub, I just drink a dog. Yes, or, yeah, I'm yeah. in a brew dog pub and i hate brew dog and my friends will me here so I drink all their guest beers. Yeah, yeah. And there's, there's kind of like all sorts of weird reasons that people drink when they
3: drunk. But how much attention, I guess, do you pay as someone, you know, trying to sell beer to some of that noise around oh, social no. media? and No, so, no. Yeah. I'm, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. so busy doing my own show. You're not like, oh, maybe I better get my... Beers featured on Craft Beer Hour or on beer boards or you know, whatever.
2: I'm just doing my own shit, and then occasionally someone tweets me and I say, "Right, oh, yes, you know, yeah, would you yeah. like to be on my podcast? Yes. Yeah. Uh, would you like to ask some questions for my magazine? Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, I yeah, just yeah. say yes, all the time. Yeah. people kind of give up asking yeah. me again and again, if I would actually finally ask the questions that I promised that I would ask mm. four months ago. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not, a, I'm not a very good person on the consumer side or the selling side. I'm not even sure I can provide. <laughs> <laughs> Why what,
1: what did we ask him? <laughs> yeah.
0: So um, let's just try and start wrapping this thing up then. Um, and, and just going round the table, I suppose I've already kind of answered it to a certain extent in terms of what is it that influences me. What's what's the one thing that, that, that really influences you guys in, in, in your buying decision? So, yeah. Michael. You're...
3: I think um, it's hard to say one thing. I think it's a combination of... Um, kind of what I, what I see from people that I respect. Um, I think it's a combination of what I hear from the breweries themselves and see of how they interact. Um, and then thirdly, I think it's around kind of availability and what I can actually get my hands on at any given point in time. I think they're the three key things that are influencing me. Okay, Mike? If
1: push comes to Shelbyville Brewery, so going to what, you, when you said Kernel earlier in your remark, I was in the Craft Beer Co a couple of weeks ago, there's 45 beers on tap. I saw the kernel beer and I decided I was gonna have the colonel beer before I knew what it was. You always yeah, you always know what it's gonna yeah. be like,
2: don't you? Yeah. Totally
1: trust me, So that that would be where I had to go for where, if I had to pinch one.
2: Okay. And Stu? For me, uh, I mean I think it's I'm probably the interesting one the fact that I came from New Zealand and uh, for the first, the first almost year I was here, um, I have basically worked my way off probably a couple of dozen breweries in the UK just from drinking their beer and being so disappointed up on tap in pubs, uh, whether it be in keg or cask. Uh, and so now I've narrowed myself down into that trusted brewery range, you know, which is horrible um, for me as a beer lover who just wants to try absolutely everything. Uh, but I've got down into that real trusted range where I know if I walk into a place and I don't know the person behind the bar or who can tell me this is really good. I don't have enough money. You know, now that I have like a day job that pays me shitloads of money like I used to have in the old days. <laughs> I don't have enough money to spend that are beers that are not so good, that I have to struggle through the pint. As a Scotsman, got waste It A Scotsman who struggles through the pint, <laughs> hating every sip of it, <laughs> rather than just like tipping it out. Uh, and I know my accent is not Scottish, but.
3: Well, you know, that's been a big revela- t- revelation for me in this podcast how Scottish you actually are. It sounds yeah, well, like. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. I
2: mean, like, it's, it's, it's in amongst everything I do. And um, certainly around the beer choice, it's not at all around price. Um, but I earn so little money now compared to what I used to back in the old days. Um, and I know beer so well that I really, I really want to drink, you know, really, really good beer. So I yeah. trust, you know, the breweries I know that make the best beer. You know, which I can probably name on two hands, yeah. ten fingers, who the best breweries in the UK are, and then I trust people that, you know, that run really good pubs or really good pub stores who are going to hand over
1: a beer to me and know that it's worth the money that
0: I'm paying for. So it boils down to trust. It boils down to dr- trust and just wanting to drink good beer. Yeah, yeah. but
1: it's, it's trust, either the people Ch- selling it, Ch- the Ch- people Ch- who are making it, yes. yeah. it's yeah. Trust. Yeah. Yeah, trust. If you had to find yeah. an overarching trust. connection, well, it's trust. Absolutely. Yeah, agree, I agree. I agree. They said to saved you loads of time with your diagram. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> A circle of trust. <laughs> okay then,
0: so um, let's just wrap this up then. Um We've, we've started doing a regular feature on the show, uh, which is uh, a letters section, by, by which we actually mean tweets, uh, which Martin hates that title. Yeah, I do hate it. it. Um, but we still haven't come up with a better one yet. I think twitters was still one of the best ones, but I still <laughs> think I'm going to say twatters. Um, so I'm sticking with letters for, for now. So there's, there's just a couple this week that I want to mention. Um, two of them are, are based on last week's show, where we were talking about camera, uh, the revitalization project and our camera still relevant? So it might actually be inter- interesting to see if you guys got any views on that as well. So um, James at Gammon Baron, and this one's probably very relevant for oh, I love this where, one. where we're recording this <laughs> week's show as well, is um, when camera starts giving out BrewDog vouchers as an alternative, I'll consider membership. <laughs> um, I think that's the moment where we jump the shark, yeah. isn't it? Uh, <laughs> you, you know, getting your BrewDog vouchers uh, as a camera member. And then um, Gregor J um, said he's still torn as to whether it's better to join camera and help try to change it from the inside or, or not. So did you guys have any views on, on, on camera?
2: I've got less lot on roll on they play. I would say they are like the Labour Party. They were very, very re- relevant to beer drinkers um, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. And they have lost touch with the
0: beer
3: drinkers are these days. Do you think they have lost focus on what's important then? Or, like, why do you think that's happened? Because, I mean, I certainly think, you know, if you think about um, the money that goes to camera and the money that they have to spend, um, they should be doing a much better job on using that to promote whatever it is that they're passionate about. And maybe that's kind of, they've lost their way a bit because they've got...
2: I totally, yeah, totally think that. I think, you know, the world is you know, the world is such a different place to when camera formed. And camera are, to me, one of the most important organisations in the world. They really, you know, really, really did help maintain the integrity uh, in, in the UK are seeing what people do, but it's changed so much. <laughs> yeah. So in the same way that, you know, as I say, like a, you know, in the way that Labour Labor have lost touch with the fact that they think that their um, voters are all working class people who join unions, but they're mm. not. You know, Labour voters yeah. now are all liberal people mm. who are probably earning twice the money, you know,
3: than what they would have been earning back yeah. in the
2: old days. Cam- yes. yeah. yeah, Maybe I didn't articulate,
3: but I think they were very passionate about their cause at a certain point in time. Well,
1: they still are. Are yeah. they? Yeah, they also don't yeah. know, because what Stuart mm. said is that they're maybe lost at a moment in time, but they're still passionate about that moment. Mm. So let's not make any bones. They're still passionate about pubs, they're still passionate about real ale. Mm. What they haven't seen is that... There's other things coming up in the fast lane ahead of them. They're in the, they're in the middle lane,
0: right?
1: And yeah. maybe going over to the left sometimes to the slow lane. There are other things going across. They're,
0: they're in the
1: middle lane doing
0: 50, but they're still. Yeah. And they, they, but they're they're still, they still need to. And that annoys them. a lot but of people, still, right? They're still, <laughs> they're still passionate about it, yeah. though. Yeah. They are yeah. still passionate oh, about yeah. it.
1: Don't so remove. Yeah. Don't don't. Yeah. think they're not passionate about what they're doing. Mm. It's just that there's uh, there's probably still too many who haven't realised that there has been a bit of a leap. Yeah. from what they were campaigning against. Oh, I guess So their yeah, campaigning yeah, yeah. for like, is still fairly it's, accurate, but what they're campaigning against so they've is they've forgotten who
3: the enemy is, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Yeah, to they've use the Hunger Games quote. Uh, I, I, think, I think the camera one
0: <laughs> is going to be one that's going to roll on for weeks and yeah. weeks. But it's, it's yeah. still I interesting agree. to other yes, people. Yes, yeah. Yeah. And yeah.
1: it should.
2: I mean, it should. It's, it's only, right. you know, I've never ever been a member of camera and I've often wished that I should be. And I probably should be right now because you know, it's a business yeah. experience for me to be and I think, a And I think
3: we're not, right? And I think that's and the I'm big not, thing not, is, not, should I expect them to change if I'm not a member? Like, I think that's what a lot of people are grappling with, right? I think that's yeah. one of the, yeah. yeah should I join and, I join and be part of it or should I stand on the outside and... I think
2: everyone should join and they should harass... Yeah, in fact, just Lobby. from that, just from that <laughs> question, I'm going to join myself this week. Wouldn't that be great, though? I'm going to join and I'm going to send you guys the receipt to say that I've joined. If, we'll if, we'll if, publish if the, the picture of it. If, yeah, yeah. But
0: wouldn't it be great for all the people that sit in this bubble that we've been talking about this evening, that maybe aren't members, actually joined, and as a result of those people
3: joining actually made a change? I, tell, I would join if there was a code of conduct, and they actually kicked out people that were either sexist or a whole bunch of other things that you see are quite unsavoury. If they had one of those, I would join in the second.
2: Right. I'm sure they That's, probably do have one. If Mark Johnson joins, I'll join. <laughs> <laughs> I think
0: you'll probably find Mark is probably already a member.
2: I'm, I'm sure he'll let us
0: know. Um, so just a couple of other letters that we've had this week. So uh, Ruth Mitchell at Beer Fairy, um, apparently randomly shouting, it's bourbon like burr, not bourbon like biscuit on a pack train isn't normal who knew um, I'm guessing that's our pronunciation of uh, a certain beer that we drank recently oh yeah so, is, it, is it bourbon or, or is it is it bourbon it's w- it, probably
1: whenever I'm saying is, it is, is it, it, is <laughs> it
0: pronunciation or pronunciation I think it's pronunciation I always get that wrong as well people love pulling us up on our pronunciation of things anyone I, that, I that does the a the podcast free, knows she's that she's
2: always drunk so she probably doesn't hate it, doesn't <laughs> it? So <laughs> shouting
0: out on a train wouldn't you have loved that moment <laughs> 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 it, it
1: was the equivalent of shouting at the TV then. Yeah, absolutely.
0: But shouting on a packed train. Um, and I think you had one final yeah, letter.
1: Yeah, the, Ronnie Bean said, uh, thinking about Doctor Who this morning, hangover from last night's opinions. So I don't know if you've got a hangover from drinking while listening to opinions, or me banging on about Doctor Who. But I quite like it, because mentioned Doctor Who in the quote. So it was good enough I for think mate. One I think maybe he, he was, was celebrating
3: me. the fact that his favourite beer podcast and his favourite TV show combined, and together. he celebrated okay, with so a couple he, of beers. Maybe that was Miles, it. look
1: out. He might become my
0: number one fan.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> OK, so um,
0: next week coming up, uh, we've got another crossover show uh, where we are doing the this is the coffee and beer crossover oh, yep. that
1: we recently did with And roland you are going to learn a lot from yes from, and from, mainly from someone else
0: i, I sat there and learned so much in the hour that we recorded so roland from Stephen roland's beer podcast is with us next week uh roland also works for has been coffee and um you are gonna listen to a great hours worth of us drinking coffee and us also drinking beers yep. and mostly Roland talking about coffee and Brilliant. mostly us being amazed at Roland's knowledge yep. of, of coffee. Um, but that's all to come next week. Um, guys, it's been a real pleasure to, to have you on this this evening. Stu, thanks for giving us your time. Michael, thanks for being part of the, the crossover within a collab, within a crossover. Um, it's been good fun, and I hope we can all sort out what our buying decisions are as, as a result of tonight. <laughs> but, um, cheers. Cheers. Cheers.
2: cheers. I can't wait to listen to you guys sober drinking coffee that's going to (laughs) be amazing.